What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and I am a man of my word. I told you guys, as we get deeper into the season, we will start to make our shift to Dynasty content. And I figured because we have the Dynasty playoffs here, all of us who are tanking for Bijan, tanking for these 2023 draft picks, we now know, at least most leagues know, what the top six is going to be, right? Regular season, it's usually like max points four. You know where you're at. So I think it's a good spot here to sort of go through my top 12 for this 2023 class and just kind of get a feel for what the first round would look like today. This is going to be in a super flex tight end premium league. And I want to reiterate, fellas, it's super early. I don't even have like date of births for these guys in my database. We don't have combine numbers, official height weights. We don't have uh, draft capital. Obviously, we don't have film grades from NFL.com I like to use. We don't have yards created from Graham Barfield. We have a lot of unknowns going on here. There's still probably players that are going to like stay for their senior year, like Keishon Boutte. There's a lot of moving parts, but I figured that this would be nice, especially because every college team has played their regular season. Now we just have bowl games, which a lot of the times, once you're in the playoffs, the big names sit out anyways. So we have a lot to go through. We're going to go our th through our top 12. We're going to go through tiers. As always, if you enjoy any point, make sure you down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's Go. So, we're going to get the tier list out here. Me in the top right corner. And in S tier is the prince who was promised. The man who himself. Just one guy in his own tier above the rest. We have Bijan Robinson. He is someone we've been hearing about since he was a freshman at Texas, five-star talent, first-ranked running back in his class, and he has lived up to that. He is, in my eyes, and I think in most people's eyes, this generational talent, best running back since Saquon Barkley in terms of a prospect, and he truly lives up to that. Now, in my model, by the way, I don't have much to plug on this video, but I do have RS grades right now, which is my prospect model. Uh on all of these players. I have it on pretty much most of the 2023 class of guys that we know are going to get drafted in like day two to three area. I'll get really into the weeds combine senior bowl area. So if you want to sort of get a jump on that and see what my RS grades look like, feel free to patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. Now, this is my prospect model for running backs, right? We have legendary elite gold, silver, bronze, It's kind of like Madden ultimate team if you've ever played that. And legendary running backs are crazy. They have hit a top 12 season 100% of the time. There's only three total. All of them average 21.8 points per game through their first three games. Now, the only thing right now that is keeping out Bijan Robinson is top 10 draft capital. Right now, he's projected as like a mid to late first round pick. Now, I will say I'm going to tweak these models in the offseason. You're going to see me sort of vanish in like January through like mid-February. I'm going to get in the spreadsheets going to tweak some things so maybe I'll fix that or not fix that but tweak it because in the modern NFL nobody's drafting running backs top 10 these days now the three running backs that have qualified for legendary status are McCaffrey Zeke Saquon just those three running backs in my database since 2007 and this is what Bijan Robinson looks like in my biggest input in my model when it comes to production adjusted yards per team play and it's pretty much receiving yards times two plus your rushing yards divided by your team play. So it pretty much is an emphasis on receiving work 
and how much are you producing within your offense? And I think it accounts for your efficiency a little bit. And when we look here, Bijan looks the part. We go each season, year one, year two, year three. He is second at worst among a truly elite, you know, cohort of running backs, right? First year, Bijan is above the threshold we're looking for, above McCaffrey, above Zeke, just below Saquon. Second year, he's above Saquon, but below McCaffrey. And in this third season, this past season, I believe he is leading all of these running backs in year three. It's amazing. He has just consistently gotten better over time. He's been amazing. He is the guy that he was promised to be. I love his size. I love his pass catching ability. He's six foot, 220 pounds, true bell cow size. He also has a 6.8 yard A dot this year, which is really interesting. 6.8 yard A dot for a running back is insane. I believe Brees Hall, before he went down, led the NFL with like a 5.3 yard A dot. And like after him, it goes down to three because a lot of running backs are getting checkdowns or getting uh, swing passes out of the backfield. They're getting halfback screens. Bijan is an animal downfield. If we compare him to other, you know, like receiving phenoms in college, Saquon's best ADOT in school is 5.6. So that's like a yard and some change below that. McCaffrey was 4.9. Kamara was 0.4. So he was much more of a swing pass guy. Swift was 1.8. So the fact that Bijan has a 6.8 yard ADOT on a lot of receiving volume, it's insane how far downfield he's operating as a pass catcher. And I think that's a really good sign because it just means, you know, He's not just a checkdown guy. He's someone that can run wheel routes, you know, maybe option routes, Texas routes. He can do it all. He's a complete package. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. Pretty much we just have to hope that in a world where first round running backs are rare, that he not only goes first round, but he gets some legit, legit first round draft capital in the draft. Now, after that, we have a pretty good tier break, right? Bijan's like this can't miss guy. And I have to be honest, I'm not all that thrilled with the top quarterbacks for fantasy or for, for dynasty purposes this year, but the position is valued so highly in Superflex that you have to push him up your board. I will say Bryce Young has grown on me. He's like a top five projected pick. He looks pretty good across the board and he'll be my 102 here. And as a passer, to me, Bryce Young checks all the boxes. I, I like him as a passer here. We can look at his stats at Alabama, checks all the boxes, plays at Alabama, has a good QBR every single year as a starter. He has like a 6.25 to uh, touchdown to interception ratio, super solid, 75 touchdowns to 12 interceptions is crazy. Uh, his best season in year two, he had 36 big time throws to 13 turnover worthy plays. That's a stat I love to use. It's one of the bigger inputs in my quarterback model. Big time throws are just, you know, throws downfield, tight window throws, your spectacular plays. How much of your good is outweighing your bad, your turnover worthy plays? So like fumbles, interceptable passes, all of that good stuff. He measures out great. He's been top three in PFF passing grade over the last two years that he's been a starter. And I will say this past year could have been better, right? It's sort of a step down. His adjusted yards per attempt has gone down 47 touchdowns to 27 touchdowns, of course, four less games, but five touchdowns to 27 or five interceptions to 27 touchdowns versus seven interceptions to 47 touchdowns big difference now it's still a solid year I'm not going to hold that against him I don't think that everything has to be linear in college especially for quarterbacks if you look back at Justin Herbert if you look back at Trevor Lawrence a lot of them actually had their best seasons in college I think Trevor Lawrence's best season was probably his freshman year Herbert was like his sophomore year 
it's not you're not going to get this like very you know uniform climb up he showed us in year two who he is and that's fine now my only real gripe with Bryce Young I think from a from a real life standpoint I think he's a fine prospect he is a you know top five pick uh I would call him it's tough to really give him a comp but I think that he's a fine in real life quarterback prospect now for fantasy I have a couple issues with him and why I'm not thrilled to be taking Bryce Young at the 102. Like if I have the 102, I'd probably like to move back to like the 104, 105. And first, he's tiny. He's like 5'11". I've heard he's like 5'11", sub 200 pounds, which is rough. And the rushing upside of both of these quarterbacks, we'll talk about CJ Stroud in a second, isn't a ton. And you guys know, I love Konami code guys. I love quarterbacks with rushing upside. But Bryce Young has grown on me a little bit, and why he stays at 102 is because he's actually gotten better at rushing over the years. And not better, he's done it more. Now, I know Bryce Young is athletic. I know he can move. He's a good athlete. If he tests at the combine or whatever, he's going to run a good 40 for quarterback, of course. The issue is that athleticism doesn't really quarter doesn't really correlate to fantasy rushing as much as you would think. It's much more of a tendency thing, right? Because you can be a super fast guy, but if you're not running the ball in college, you're not going to just start scrambling when all the defenders are bigger, faster, stronger than they were in college. If we look at, you know, Cam Newton, and Andrew Luck, if you look at their combine numbers, pretty much identical, but of course, one of them is Cam Newton, who loves to run the ball, and the other one, Andrew Luck, more of a pocket guy. So it really is a tendency thing and why I really like to look at rushing yard market share. So this chart here is your rushing yards, just how many rushing yards are, what percentage of your team's rushing yards are you making up? And if we look at Bryce Young, of course, year one, he didn't start. Year two, he looked like a statue. I have a bunch of quarterbacks on here with Trevor Lawrence, Herbert Pickett. So none of these guys are like Lamar Jackson, but Trevor Lawrence scrambles a good bit. Kenny Pickett scrambles a good bit. Mac Jones, Jared Goff are statues. Justin Herbert's probably somewhere in between. So we can kind of see we're on the spectrum of like statue to like, you know, guys who can scramble. Obviously, he'll never be a Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, 10 plus rushing touchdowns, 1,000 rushing yards. That's not in his range of outcomes. That's not in many people's range of outcomes. But we see year two, he's right there neck and neck with Mac Jones, with Jared Goff, which is not good. I think that he literally had like a 0% rushing market share. Now, that's because in college, if you get sacked, it counts against you, but it counts against all of these guys. But... In year two, and I don't know what changed. I know he's been dealing with injury a little bit this year. Uh, I believe his wide receivers have fallen off a little bit without Jamison Williams and John Mechie, so maybe he's had to rely on his feet a little bit more. But he's gone up to a 12% rushing yard market share, which is really promising. So if he, you know, if that sticks and he can be like a mobile quarterback, like a Herbert, like a Kenny Pickett, any of those guys, like a Trevor Lawrence, where he can add, you know, 2.5 plus fantasy points per game on the ground, you're in a really good spot there. I think he's at least proved this year he's not a complete statue. He is not Jared Goff. He is not Tua. He can give you something on the ground, which is good to see. Now, I don't think he'll ever be like a designed Russian guy. Again, he's small. I don't think people want him, you know, getting tackled by linebackers all game. But it is something to note. After that, I like C.J. Stroud, but C.J. Stroud hasn't had that same progression as a rusher. So I'm going to defer to Jameer Gibbs here. And I really like Jameer Gibbs, guys. Jameer Gibbs is someone I'm extremely excited about. He goes from Georgia Tech. He transfers to Alabama, which has been huge for his draft stock. He is being talked about right now as a late first-round pick. A lot of mocks have Bijan around like the 
12 to 20 range. A lot of mocks have Jameer Gibbs in like that 25 to 32 or 31 because of the Dolphins pick. It seems like Jameer Gibbs might sneak into the first round, which is really exciting. Now, when we talk about Jameer Gibbs, his calling card is being essentially the craziest receiving running back prospect I have seen since McCaffrey. If you look at what he's done across his three seasons in school, he has accounted for, on average, 18.7% of his team's receiving yards, an 18.7% receiving yard market share across all three years, which is the highest in my entire database since 2007, higher than McCaffrey, higher than Mixon, higher than anybody you can think of. Even guys like Antonio Gibson, who played some wide receiver in school, or like Ty Montgomery, more than all of those guys. It's genuinely insane. And I talked about this, I think, on a live stream a week ago. But the issue right now is running back scoring is so down right now. And I know like Josh Jacobs has been great. Eckler has been great. These guys aren't even cracking like 23.5 points per game. Last year, we had one of our lowest RB1 overall seasons that we've had in forever. The last time we've had like a 25 plus point per game running back, it was Alvin Kamara. And it's almost a must. That was Alvin Kamara in 2020. He had 83 catches. It's almost a must in this day and age. No one's a bell cow anymore. You need to have 80 plus receptions to get to that upside. And the running backs that have that upside, McCaffrey, Eckler, Kamara, Aaron Jones, Saquon, they're getting old. They're all, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28. And running back years, that might as well be 40. So if they don't carry that upside anymore and running back scoring has been down, I think when we look at guys like Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, I think that these guys are the next best bets. I would I'd probably put Brees Hall in that conversation. If we're just talking about running backs with the pure ability to score 25 plus points per game and win you leagues, I think Jameer Gibbs has that out because of the receiving upside. And again, this isn't like DeAndre Swift level receiving. This isn't Brees Hall receiving. This is tier of his own. Maybe only McCaffrey can really sniff it type receiving. And we look here, it's insane. This is him next to Bijan and the other three legendary running backs. Now, Jameer Gibbs isn't really in play for legendary status, but it's just interesting to see him against these top dogs. And this is receiving yard market share. He blows all of them out of the water in year one with above a 20% receiving yard market share. Year two, he's key, he keeps up with McCaffrey in year two, and then he still has a strong year three. The only pushback with Jameer Gibbs isn't going to be his receiving, but it's going to be his size and rushing production because, of course, that ceiling is there that we're talking about. But when we kind of pencil him into a role, there are a lot of ways that this could go wrong for sure, right? He's not the, like a stereotypical running back is going to come in there, 5'10", 220, can handle 15 plus carries a game or maybe more like 18 to 20 something plus all the receiving work, right? That's the ideal build and something that's more of a, high floor in terms of hit rate and that's a little bit of the issue with Jameer Gibbs if we look here the concern is size rushing production there's genuine concerns can he handle 15 plus carries a game can he get in on the goal line can he be used in the goal line packages he listed at 511 200 pounds which is light as is but there are reports that he could even weigh in less than that which is really scary uh, we'd probably like him to see him at like 205 plus but He's also, it's a little bit scary in terms of rushing. He has never hit 1,000 rushing yards, but I don't think he's a bad rusher. I think he's actually pretty solid. 
Uh, and I've heard comps. I think Jacob Sanderson was talking about it on Twitter. I think a really good comp for him is like a Kamara, like an Aaron Jones, where he's not going to be a guy who rushes for 1,500 rushing yards, but he's not a negative in the rushing game, right? He's not a... It's a bad example, but he's not a J.D. McKissick. He is not a receiving specialist. I think DeAndre Swift actually fits into that a little bit better. Someone that until, I mean, outside of like week one this year, has been pretty bad in like rushing yards over expected, all of those advanced metrics in terms of between the tackles. Jameer Gibbs, I don't watch film or, you know, I watch college and I, I watch highlights, obviously, but I can't sit down and evaluate film and tell you, okay, this guy has juice. He has vision. He has patience, all of this. Somebody that I respect a ton when it comes to running back avows or evals, Noah more parties. You guys probably know him from the BDGE channel. He's amazing. And this is a really cool visual where Anytime, anything that comes to RB film evaluation, honestly, Noah is one of my go-to guys here. And this is how, this is a tweet that he had. Again, check out his Twitter at Noah Moore Parties on Twitter. He has been going through the top running back prospects in this class and ranking them in categories like vision, patience, discipline, decisiveness. And we look at Jameer Gibbs, he goes toe-to-toe with these guys like B. John Robinson, Zach Evans, Blake Corum. He has him ranked first in this class in vision, first in discipline, first in elusiveness, second in zone. So he's somebody that can take inside zone handoffs and be elusive and explosive. I believe that he's like top five in the NCAA in explosive run rate. He is a big play waiting to happen. I think that he can be somebody kind of like a Travis Etienne between the tackles where he doesn't need 20 carries to get you to 100 yards. Maybe he can do that on like 15, 16 carries. You give him the receiving work and he can kind of pull together a Kamara, Aaron Jones type Eckler back that can see, you know, 80 plus catches, ultra efficient between the tackles. And if he gets a spike year in the touchdown category with like 10 plus, 12 plus touchdowns, that's a top five finish pretty easily. Now, of course, I get the pushback here. Uh, There's a lot of guys I respect on Twitter that are like maybe Zach Evans should be RB2. I actually think that Noah, even though he grades Jameer Gibbs well here, actually likes Zach Evans more, who we'll talk about later just because he's more of a prototypical between the tackles running back. It's very easy to see how he succeeds in the NFL. But this is me assuming Jameer Gibbs with first round draft capital. That's where he's at right now. This is where I'd put him with first round draft capital. If he got second round draft capital, I'd probably bump him down a tier and give some serious thought about moving him back to like RB3, RB4. But again, if he goes first round, I'm all in. Uh, after that, the last player in this tier, this is going to be a long one, dude. 18 minutes and we're only three players in. We'll talk through CJ Stroud. He'll be my 104 here. QB2, 104. And again, with him and Bryce Young, I think both guys for in real life QB prospects, they're super clean. They're good. They're both probably worthy of top five picks in the NFL draft. But again, when it comes to dynasty, I'm looking for guys who can have insane rushing upside. If you look at all the guys up top between uh, Josh Allen, Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler, even Burrow these days, Burrow is even somebody who is a plus rusher. He actually had a good rushing market share in college. Uh, On top of that, I mean, even Herbert's pretty mobile. Outside of Tua, essentially, like Dak is pretty mobile. Justin Fields, of course, is mobile. Jalen Hurts, of course, who I didn't even mention. A lot of those guys at the top that are, are first-round startup picks have a ton of rushing upside outside of like a, a couple. Uh, and at that point, you have to bet that you can hit on Justin Herbert, who comes into the NFL, doesn't play a full season, and throws 30 passing touchdowns, which is just unheard of. And when we look at Stroud, as a passer, he's elite. Like No one can take that away from him as a passer. He's very good. If we look at experience-adjusted QBR, which is just every year, Uh, your QBR. Now, this isn't just like stock NFL quarterback rating. 
ESPN has a really good QBR stat. I have no clue what the formula is, but it tests well for my model. It's a very good QBR. Now, again, this isn't just like normal quarterback rating. It's QBR from ESPN. And this is how it looks year over year for Stroud. He is head and shoulders above everybody in year two, I believe. He doesn't beat out Andrew Luck in year two, but he gets pretty damn close um, in terms of like year two versus Andrew Luck's year three. But year two, Stroud looks amazing. Year three, Stroud is above Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. I just picked out quarterbacks who tested well and are, you know, good pocket passers when it came to to prospects. And he goes toe-to-toe with these guys, man. He goes toe-to-toe with Andrew Luck. He goes toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert. When it comes to being in the pocket and throwing footballs. Now, QBR, it's a big input in my model. One of the other big inputs, big time throw, turnover worthy play ratio, a little bit underwhelming for him. We want like a three to one. He's at 52 to 27 on his career. So that's more like two to one. That's not really that bad. I think that there is some fear with CJ Stroud that he was carried a little bit by, by his supporting cast. The past two years, he has had Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, maybe not Jamison Williams, but JSN, of course. And then also the the young guys behind them. You had uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who is going to be like a top 10 pick next year. Emeka Egbuka, who's probably going to be a first round pick next year. So he has had nothing but studs his entire career. So you can get some of those vibes of like Manziel with Mike Evans and Brandon Whedon with uh, Justin Blackman. I would probably say that's not the case, though. I think that they definitely inflate his numbers a bit. But I think my biggest concern for him fantasy wise is the rushing like he if if we look at his rushing over these last three years or so this is that same chart from earlier with Bryce Young on there I now added CJ Stroud in here and if we look at year two it's rough man year two he is ahead of just Goff in terms of rushing yard market share and then in year three it's a little bit better He's ahead of Goff to a Mac Jones, but still pretty statuish and just a 4% rushing guard market share, which puts him on track to be an elite statue quarterback. And there just hasn't been a huge ceiling there. All the top dogs at this position, they're adding points through the ground or on the ground. We had Stafford last season throw 40 passing touchdowns and not even crack the top 10 QBs and points per game. These are all of the elite statue quarterbacks in my database. You have Tua, Goff, Bradford, Stafford. Again, there's just not a massive ceiling there. Like these guys aren't people who are going to be first round picks in startup drafts. These aren't guys who are going to give you multiple top five seasons in the NFL. They're just going to be good in the pocket and could even be, you know, like Jared Goff, Sam Bradford level of just bad. Because it's tough. If, if you if you come into the NFL as purely a pocket passer, you have less outs, right? You come in, you're a pocket passer. And if you don't have it right off the bat, like, you know, a Josh Rosen, a Dwayne Haskins, it's pretty much over. It's pretty much over. There is no, you can't buy time with your legs and and hope that, you know, you can make up for it on the ground and develop your passing game as you go. If you come in there, you're immediately anemic and you can't elevate an offense. Things look rough for you long-term. So those are my concerns with CJ Stroud. But again, we play super flex. Quarterbacks are valued highly. So I, I have a hard time putting a quarterback who projects to go like top five, top 10 and have elite passing numbers much lower than that in super flex. Now, again, wouldn't really be thrilled to take him in the top four. Like this is a spot in the draft. I think like 102, 103, I'll try and avoid. Maybe I'll try and trade out of. Maybe I'll just hold my nose and take one of these quarterbacks. Like it's funny to say that. Like they're both, again, I cannot stress this enough. In real life, 
great prospects. If I was like the Lions or the Seahawks or anything like that, I think these are fine options as like your franchise quarterback. I'm a Jets fan. I would love to have either of these guys as the quarterback. But in fantasy, not super excited. I guess in six-point passing TDs, you can tell yourself a story, and they're probably fine in that format. Uh, after that, we have B tier, and this is where it gets fun. Uh, we can start talking about wide receivers now. And I'm just going to be straight up. There are three wide receivers in this tier for me. We'll kind of cover them together here. Quentin Johnston, JSN, Jordan Addison. These are all super, super clean wide receivers. This is uh, from Mock Draft Database that sort of shows on the big board where they're projected to go right now. And I have to be honest with you guys, there isn't a ton separating these guys. This is my my lean, super, super early. I'm open to ranking JSN wide receiver one. I'm open to ranking Quentin Johnston wide receiver one. I'm open to ranking Jordan Addison wide receiver one. I need to see film grades. I need to see combine numbers, weigh-ins. I need a lot more info than I have right now. So for right now, I'll defer to Quentin Johnston's draft capital of like possibly being top 10. I've also heard, we'll get into it in a second, but I've also heard he's a freak athlete. Again, these guys are all clean. They remind me a ton. Like this top three is, I would say, as good, if not better than like that tier last year that I liked of Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks. They're all super, super clean prospects. Now, they are all, I believe, uh, early declares, like 20 to 21 years old. They all look really good. And if we just look at what they look like in receiving yards per team pass attempt, this is what they look like. Uh, now, receiving yards per team pass attempt is an input that I love from my model. Uh, it's like my biggest input for wide receivers. And pretty much what it does is you take, it's really simple, receiving yards divided by pass attempts, and it essentially captures a player's dominance over their offense and their efficiency. So I put them here next to legit studs like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson, just to sort of get a feel for how good these guys are. They all hold their own. So I kind of want to go guy by guy here and sort of talk through what I feel about them, what I know about them so far. Again, we're super, super early. I'm still learning about these guys as well. And with Quentin Johnston, we can see in year one here, he is the best freshman producer of the bunch, which again, or not again, but as always, we love freshman year one producers he's been great all three years he's been above that dotted line is just the average top 24 wide receiver he's been above that dotted line all three years he's the best freshman producer apparently he's a physical freak he's like 6'4 215 pounds people are saying that he might run a 4'4 if he if he's 6'4 215 runs a 4'4 and he goes in the top 10 of the nfl draft he'll be a legendary wide receiver not just an elite wide receiver so legendary of like the last like 10 or five years has been jefferson jamar chase uh, I believe like DJ Moore was legendary, Calvin Johnson, Julio, Odell Beckham, all of those guys. He would be in that cohort if that actually works out. And I'm, I'm not going to assume that. I want to wait for those numbers, but that's really interesting. Of course, we looked at the uh, the draft board earlier. He's about to go eighth right now, so he is right in that area. He's someone that teams love right now, and he operates in terms of like his archetype from what I've just sort of gained from looking at the numbers. He's a downfield wide receiver, has a career eight out of 15.8, uh, perimeter deep threat guy and he also has some you know i don't know if i want to say wiggle but he can do some some things after the catch too for a guy with a 15 point yard a dot a career 7.7 .7 yards after catch per reception is pretty damn impressive that's like you know you take yak you take a dot and we're talking like over 20 yards per reception on his entire career super efficient he's commanding volume he's athletic like this isn't it always feels like a trap when you are like, okay, 6'4", 215, 4'4", we should be excited. But when he produced all three years like this, and then you add in 6'4", 215, 4'4", plus top 10 draft pick, 
I have to put him up there for now. Now, of course, you could flop at the combine, go like 20th overall in the NFL draft. And it's a different conversation. But again, things are fragile right now. And that's just what I'm seeing from my perspective. After that, we have JSN. And this one's a little more dysfunctional. Now, he takes a zero in year one, which is to be expected. He's in a wide receiver room with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams, which is a really tough wide receiver room to do anything in. And then he goes on to have an absolutely monstrous, let's put this here. He has an absolutely monstrous year two. He puts up 95 catches, 1,600 yards, and nine touchdowns in the same wide receiver room as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, two guys who are absolutely destroying this year. Like pretty much the side-by-side favorites to win the Rookie of the Year award right now. Now, I think it's a little bit naive because I've, I've heard people say this. He outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I push back on that. He had like 350 yards in a bowl game and he played another game on top of that. So that would, you know, sort of bring things down like 350, maybe put another 100 on that. Minus 450, he's like what? Outproducing Garrett Wilson by like 100, 100 yards maybe. But still worth noting. Now, the issue is, he had a weird year three, right? He's not even on this chart because he hasn't played enough games. He's only played in three games. He's been hobbled in all of them. It's been very weird. It's tanked his draft stock a little bit where before the season, he probably would have been first out of those wide receivers. as like a top 10 pick. Now he's like in the twenties because he's like kind of played. He's kind of not played. And whether you think that that's like on purpose or, or what, it hasn't been a great look, especially like Marvin Harrison out there balling out Emeka Egbuka. It's like, why isn't JSN out there balling as well? So you have to sort of weigh that and then also, way if we look here, he is the only one that can hold Jamar Chase or Garrett Wilson when it comes to year two receiving yards per team pass attempt. So, like, his peak yards per team pass attempt is the highest on this list behind just Jamar Chase. It came in year two next to two legit NFL wide receivers. That is really, really noteworthy. Now, we talk about his like archetype. It's tough to sort of pinpoint what kind of wide receiver he is. He's like six foot, 197 pounds, which is good size. It's kind of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown-ish. Uh, and the other part that's sort of Amon Ross St. Brown-ish is that he has played a career like 80% of his snaps in the slot, which is a little bit concerning. We kind of want guys that can play all over the place in the slot, on the outside, because you don't want to just be pigeonholed into just a slot wide receiver. Now, you can maybe say... Garrett Wilson Olave are legit, legit outside wide receivers and sophomore JSN isn't going to move either of those guys into the slots. Maybe he was just playing there because he had to, and you know, he can play outside and inside. I don't know. I'm not a wide receiver guy. Maybe like Matt Harmon can kind of touch on that later on at a later date, but it's just something to note. It is a little bit sketchy to have so much of that production in the slot. Like maybe he's in the slot. That's an easier spot for Justin Fields to target and maybe Olave and Garrett Wilson, we're assuming a lot of gravity from the defense to sort of open up the underneath out of the slot type routes. Just making inferences here. Again, he's my wide receiver two. This would be 104, 105, 106. He's my 106 for right now. Uh, again, these guys are all in my same tier. As always with these tier lists, any players within the same tier, you can flip-flop them around uh, however you would like. Now, we have our third wide receiver here, which is Jordan Addison, who is sort of similar to Quentin Johnston here. We see year one, him and Quen Johnson, the only guys to have above the threshold in year one. Strong year two as well behind uh, the top three in Chase, JSN, and Wilson. Year three, pretty good as well. The Pretty much the top of the bunch. Even though a lot of people, if you ask them, will say Jordan Addison has had a down year this year. Uh, in year two last year, 
carried Kenny Pickett to a first round draft price where he had 1600 receiving yards and 17 touchdowns just absolutely insane now when we talk about his archetype it's a little bit tough to you know nail down with him as well he's like six foot 175 pounds we're hoping that's like 185 190 by combine time uh hoping that that's just you know what he's listed at or else we're sort of looking at a Devonte smith ish type wide receiver it's not really a bad thing though like Devonta smith has shown that he's good against press and everything we would just like him to be a little bit thicker uh he's a little bit more versatile than a guy like johnston uh, or JSN, where Johnson is, at least in college, has been strictly outside. JSN has been strictly on the inside. Uh, Addison has played inside and out. He played 60% of his time in the slot over his entire college career. But this past year, his final year at USC, he's played in the slot just 23% of the time. So inside out, apparently he's a very good route runner. He's not a big yak guy. He's more of a route runner, make good catches, you know, just consistently winning. And that's really interesting as well. Uh, after that, we have seats here. And this is where things get a little bit ugly. We have at the 108 in C tier, Will Levis. And I don't expect to have any Will Levis in my drafts. I hope not to have any of him, but he'll probably slip in a lot of my drafts with like sickos and Patreon leagues and stuff. Here's the issue with Will Levis. I'm not a fan. I don't think that his stats jump out at all. But having a quarterback projected to go in the top 12 of the NFL draft in a super flex league, it's tough to put him much lower and the issue I have with Will Levis is that he isn't very good he has again we want a three to one big time throw to turn worthy play ratio that's ideal he has a career 26 big time throws 31 turnover worthy play so he's not even at a positive big time throw to turn worthy play ratio he is a project if we look at among 16 qualified SEC quarterbacks on PFF he is 11th in pass grade which puts him below like guys who aren't even going to go to the NFL. He's 10th among 13 SEC quarterbacks in that ESPN QBR. He has been not good. And the issue I have with him is you could sell me, I, I've heard that he's like a very toolsy guy, right? He's big. He has a huge arm. He's one of those like Josh Allen type project guys. The issue is when it comes to fantasy, I'm into those. You guys saw last year, I was all over Malik Willis. If he went in the top 12 of the NFL draft, I would have had him everywhere. I'm very much susceptible to, if you have a guy who's toolsy and can run the ball, I'm very much all over that. The issue with Will Levis is he carries all of the risk of Josh Allen without giving you any of the rushing upside. This is among 45 qualified power five quarterbacks on PFF. Will Levis ranks 42nd in rush attempts with 30, 43rd in rushing yards, 43rd in yards per carry with 2.6 yards per carry, 44th in missed tackles forced with two, 45th in elusiveness rating with legit a zero elusiveness rating. He is probably a little bit better than Bryce Young on the ground, but there is no like crazy rushing upside for you to be chasing here. So I'm not all that interested. Again, I can only disrespect his draft capital so much, but I really don't see the appeal of what these teams are looking at or like what some Will Levis stands are looking at. It's a pass for me, so I'll have him at on a wait for right now. Again, I just have to respect the draft capital at a certain point. Now in the same tier at 109, we have the anti-Will Levis, who I'm a very big fan of. We have Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson is really fun. Now, this is assuming that he is a late first, early second type of guy, which is what he's projected at right now. I think if that's the case, I, I don't think I can put him over Levis. Levis is going to have much more of an opportunity to start in the NFL if he's a top 12 pick. He'll probably be able to start in year one. A guy like, Lev a guy like Anthony Richardson, if he gets drafted late first or early second, he might never actually see the field. So it's much more of a risk there. And 
it would be tough for me to to make that bet. Now, with Anthony Richardson, unlike Will Levis, the ceiling is the roof with this guy, right? Like, I think you could look at him and say, Jalen Hurts is in his range of outcomes. If we look at his rushing in that same sample of 45 big five quarterbacks we have, or power five quarterbacks we have, Anthony Richardson is 13th in rush attempts, 5th in rushing yards, 4th in yards per carry, 2nd in missed tackles forced, 17th in elusiveness rating. I don't know why that elusiveness rating isn't higher for a guy with the 2nd most missed tackles forced on just the 13th rush attempts, but he is electric on the ground, electric on the ground, and that's what we're looking for. Now, the issue with him is that in terms of throwing, he looks like Will Levis as well. Uh, 53% completion percentage is really rough. A 23 to 18 big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio also rough. Again, we're looking for three or like even two. That's like barely over one. He's seventh among 13 SEC quarterbacks in QBR. So the funny part is that he's actually like on all these throwing stats, he's better than Will Levis. The only thing that Will Levis has over him is projected draft capital of right as of right now. If Anthony Richardson was to go top 12 in the NFL draft and get that draft capital, I would probably move him up to like a tier just because that's what that upside looks like. And if you, you know combine that with draft capital, you just have to buy in at that point. He could be a home run. He could be an absolute whiff. Something that I'm fine taking a swing on if I'm like a contending team at the end of the first round. Now, to round out this tier, someone that I think you could argue to have much higher than this in a tight end premium, but I want it to be a little bit conservative here until we get combine numbers just because it matters so much for tight ends. But Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer is really fun. I have him as my 110 right here. He's about to go like early to mid first. I think I've seen him like around like the 15th pick area. And he's a really clean tight end prospect. Again, we just need combine numbers. We need height, weight. We need to know his speed. Like of all positions, if you want to say like wide receiver, combine's overrated. I actually agree there. If you want to say for running backs, I think it's actually more important for running backs and wide receivers, of course. But I think it's probably most important for tight ends. All of those guys at the top can move. Uh, there is some concerns like Michael Mayer is like a TJ Hawkinson type. It isn't super athletic and therefore doesn't have like that crazy ceiling. We'll see. Again, we'll just see what happens at the combine. But if we look at just his pure production and we look at receiving yards per team pass attempts, which is what we were looking at for the wide receivers earlier, he crushes it, man. And it's it's a linear climb too, where he just keeps outdoing himself in receiving yards per team pass attempt. He is over three yards per team pass attempt in year three. Like that is absolutely insane for a tight end. I put him on this list because Ebron, Kyle Pitts, and TJ Hawkinson are the last three tight ends to get drafted in the top 10 uh, before Vernon Davis. So the NFL views these guys as absolute studs. Michael Mayer blows them all out of the water. Now, of course, uh, outside of Hawkinson, these guys were great athletes. Kyle Pitts, of course, generational athlete. Ebron could move as well. So we need to see combine. If he crushes, if not crushes, but if he goes to the combine and he proves that he's at least mobile, and then he goes like top 10 in the NFL draft, I'll probably have him probably like the 106 to 108 area in tight end premium. Now, after that, we have D tier, which I feel much less certain about. Uh, some guys that I don't have in here that I think are up for consideration here would be Blake Corum. I think uh, I love Josh Downs as well. Uh, Pre-injury, you could have said Hendon Hooker to me. There's a lot of guys. Um I'm trying to think of the other running backs that are very good in this class, but there's a lot of them. Uh, like I like Tank Bigsby. I'm not sure if he sort of gets recognition around this part or around this area, but this is a deep class. You can put a lot of guys in this D tier. This is just the two that stick out to me for right now. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about them together. I have them very, very close. You could talk me into having one over the other and I, I really wouldn't bat an eye. I like Sean Tucker and Zach Evans here. Now let's first talk about Sean Tucker. And Sean Tucker is really fun. Guy out of Syracuse. 
and he has dominated all three years. This is the adjusted yards per team play that we talked about with like Bijan earlier. And across the board, he has balled and dominated all three years. He looks solid. He's like 5'10", 210 pounds. He has 1,000 yards rushing in his last two years. He's been at 20-plus receptions the last two years. He can catch. He can do it all. Really? And apparently, he's a track stud as well. I've heard this as well. He's a track stud. People are saying he's going to run like a 4-4 at the combine, which is really impressive. So all of that's amazing. Right now, Mock Draft Database has him as like a late second. But I have heard from guys in the Debbie community that know what they're talking about. Shout out Nelly. That's my boy on Twitter at a Nelly Lytics. And I was talking about him earlier today or talking to him earlier today. And because Sean Tucker's at Syracuse and because he wasn't a highly uh, touted recruit, it's not a sure thing that he goes day two. Like a lot of these guys can just get, you know, sort of brushed to the wayside. Like I'm trying to think of some guys that have really taken a tumble recently. Uh, you could say somebody like, you could say somebody like Jamar Jefferson, who kind of had like hype as like maybe like around three guy early on in the process then gets absolutely dusted. I think you can say the same thing with like, you know, Benjamin a little bit. There's these guys at running back, like Syracuse isn't a big school. ACC's barely power five these days. He wasn't a highly touted recruit. If Sean Tucker went fourth round in the NFL draft, it wouldn't shock me a ton. And I think that's sort of the push and pull here. I think Sean Tucker's a little bit more complete when it comes to the numbers than a Zach Evans, right? Apparently he's going to blaze the combine, receiving, rushing, three-year starter. It's all there. Like on paper, and anybody who watches film, do not come at me. But like on paper, when it comes to like market share stats, Sean Tucker looks a lot like Brees Hall. All three years. Looks like, actually, let me pull that up. Let me compare them. Let me compare him to Brees Hall. So yeah, I don't think I'm all that crazy for saying that. I brought it up right here. No, no. Hold on. All right. So here it actually is. I don't know what all that was. But like, as you guys can see, if Sean Tucker truly does blaze the combine right Brees Hall has very similar stats to this all three years producer Sean Tucker is actually like above him in year two pretty much the same in year three now again Sean Tucker's in the ACC versus the big 12 whatever you want to say in terms of conference versus conference but Sean Tucker looks good on paper if he actually does blaze the combine and he goes second round I'll be very high on him I'll probably put him I think you could probably make the case for him in C or B tier if that's the case, but I'm kind of shielding against, you know, if he goes fourth round, if he, you know, the combine is all hoopla, if you will. Um, now, the other guy we'll talk about here is Zach Evans. And I like Zach Evans a lot, too, because people out there that are smarter than me when it comes to film eval love Zach Evans. Now, Zach Evans, we talked about earlier with like Jameer Gibbs, like you have to kind of thread the needle of how he wins. Zach Evans, it's very easy to see. He's 5'11", 215 pounds, prototypically sized running back. Five-star recruit. If we talk about Bijan Robinson, he was the number one running back recruit. Zach Evans was the number two running back recruit. I believe I believe there's only like three five-star running backs in that class. Zach Evans was up there. Now he's had a little bit more of a bumpy road where he pops someone as a freshman at TCU, breakout year two, then transfers to Ole Miss. He gets outproduced by Quinshawn Judkins there, who's a stud freshman in his own right, probably like the RB one or RB two of his class right now, and. He's also dealt with some injuries off the field and like some other, I think like coaches have accused him of like being an off the field problem, a lot of weird stuff. But when it just comes to down to business, production, pedigree, all of that, he has that. Uh, he did decent in year one, right? I know like Sean Tucker and Brees all blow him out of the water, but in year one, he's right just under the threshold. Year two, huge breakout year, looks amazing. Year three, down year, but again, that's because he has been battling in the same backfield as somebody who is a stud. Quinshawn Judkins, if any of you guys out there have seen him, he is amazing. He's breaking like SEC freshman records. Now, 
He can also catch passes, which is a good thing. And this is how it stacks up with Brees Hall. We'll actually talk, talk uh, touch on Sean Tucker real quick. Sean Tucker, when it comes to receiving, him and Brees are like neck and neck in year one. Then it's Tucker in year two by a lot, Tucker in year three. So again, I think the comp is somewhat valid. Some of you guys out there might disagree, but I'm saying I think it's I think it's a little bit valid. Now with Zach Evans, he's above the threshold in year one. He's above even Brees Hall in year two. And then year three, again, comes back down to earth, but he looks good in spots. He has a career 6.9 yards per carry. He's ultra efficient. He's just had some, again, some weird injury luck, some off the field stuff, you know, just getting a, I think, I think Quinshawn Judkins was like a four-star or a three-star that just out of nowhere absolutely popped. But as of right now, he's projected to be a second round guy. Scouts love that five-star pedigree. He's in a good spot right now. Uh, also, we talked about him earlier. No more parties. Great film evaluation guy. He's very good at, it's almost like the, and I don't mean this as disrespect, but it's almost sort of like the running back version of uh, recession perception, where you're sort of quantifying uh, film and visual data. Uh, and he has really cool stats. Um, I think he's making a website soon. I uh, I think I'm on the list to like uh, be notified when that website drops, because I'd really like to look at that data. Um, but this is a little bit da- dated. This is from, uh, I believe, his second year compared to Bijan Robinson's second year. And these are really cool stats that Noah pulls. Now, first, we have BAE rating, which he jumps off the page in. This is using a weighted average of a player's per carry efficiency on carries versus various amounts of defenders in the box from using uh, sports info solutions relative to the per carry efficiency of other running backs on his team versus the same box counts. So pretty much what are you doing versus your teammates when it comes to yards per carry in different situations? And it's just a way because like yards per carry, there's a lot of noise there, like your offensive line, your offense, all of that good stuff. But if you compare running backs to their teammates, it pretty much evens all of that out. It's a really cool idea. And this resulting percentage, that 141.5% indicates to what degree a run over or underperformed his teammates on his total rushing attempts relative to how often he faced each box count. So he absolutely crushed it in that stat. Relative success rate measures how often a player gains a requisite amount of yards on his carries given the down distance and box counts he's running against. 5.4% is amazing, which means that he is giving you more than you're expected in every situation. He's outproducing his teammates with that Bay rating or BAE rating. And then breakaway conversion rate is just breakaway rushes. I was looking for his, uh, I guess, like definition for it. I couldn't find it. But again, just breakaway rushes across the board in the advanced stuff when it just comes to him actually playing on the field. Again, he's had like injuries, off the field things, his running back being amazing at Ole Miss. When it comes to what he's just what he's done, he's looked amazing. I know film guys out there absolutely love him. I think this is somebody that has a really high probability to pop in things like yards created, lands zero lines, film score. I think a lot of those types of uh, film grades and qualitative analysis is going to be what bumps him up in the RS grading system. For now, he doesn't look great on paper when it comes to numbers, but he is somebody where I'm kind of just trusting guys who watch film that Zach Evans is the real deal because he does he he definitely. Sh- pops in the number side of things but he really pops when it comes to film and all of that the guys who actually know what they're looking at so I'll, I'll rank Zach Evans there again I think some honorable mentions Blake Corum uh Josh Down I'm trying to think of anybody else but nothing really nothing else really sticks out uh if Bo Nix went like first round and he snuck in there I'd actually be really interested in Bo Nix uh but yeah that's all I got for you guys as always if you enjoyed this was an absolute marathon of a YouTube video, but I know you Dynasty Sickos are going to appreciate this. This is my, again, 
my first run through of the 2023 class. I think my opinions are going to change a ton between now and even like February. So take these with a grain of salt. This was just me sort of doing a refresher for myself, sort of diving into each of these players and just almost like for my own research, just sort of putting a, a face to the numbers with these guys and just kind of seeing where my head's at for now. Again, these rankings are all going to change. Don't hold me to these, but this is just my primer when it comes to these guys for now. So with all that being said, if you enjoyed, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, and I will see y'all in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.